Hi, we're talking about, or we are going to be talking about, why would we not enjoy life? I think you came up with this one, Colin. It's, it's a very strange question, actually, because it, it's it's got a kind of like a negative in it. Um, why wouldn't we enjoy life? I mean, what? I mean, it, it sounds like a very strange sentence, isn't it? You know, why should we enjoy life? Why shouldn't we enjoy life? Why could we enjoy life? Why aren't we enjoying life? What is there to live for? You know, there's this kind of like, there's a whole kind of series of things that are caught up in this that I think is interesting. I, I mean, if you typed in, why would we not enjoy life into chat GBT, probably comes up with a list of things, doesn't it? Probably comes up with a, you know, a list of things like, you know, stress and anxiety, you know, lack of fulfillment, health issues, and financial difficulties, you know, relationship issues, negative mindset, these sort of things. So, you know, it will come up with this sort of list. I think there's a little bit more that we need to uncover within this. Um, so the question is, why would we not enjoy life? Stanford. I don't know. I almost feel like why should you enjoy life seems more negative because that's almost kind of doubting if someone should be enjoying life at all. Mm. I, I almost feel like why would you not enjoy life kind of sparks interesting question. Mm. I did not search that on ChatGPT. I searched it on Google search engine and never have I ever had that many recommendation of helplines <laughs> coming from the search results. And I did it in the hospital computer, computer as well. So just to top it all off. Um, I started thinking about the question on enjoyment. Like what is enjoyment? Because I think that when I was chatting to some of the colleagues about this, we started talking about, oh, are you happy about this? Are you happy about that? I was like, well, but that question actually is about enjoyment. Mm -hmm. There's something slightly different. Mm -hmm. Happiness may be a state of being in some ways. The emotion was enjoyment almost almost have a like a action behind it. Mm -hmm. It's slightly more, it's slightly less passive. Well, you and I um about two weekends ago, we discussed uh, a model from that's about 4,000 years old from the Taitiro Upanishad. And we discussed this model um, with regard to the concept of joy. And it, it, we split joy into sort of, I'd say, four areas. And the first area is that you've got the expectation of future joy. And that almost leads to the actions that we create. So then the first, the sort of the leading aspect of it from this ancient text is that they're saying there's an expectation of future joy. So, and then that leads what we do. But we also, we've got another couple of things that really come together as part of this. The first is our recall of what constitutes past joy. And that recall and that memory of what constitutes past joy forms part of our relationship with our current experience of the situation, the joyful situation that we're in. And so in a way, what we've got is we've got all of this is bound with our expanding potential of how we want to sort of, you know, how we're led towards actually looking for having experiences of joy. Does that make any sense? It does, because you you made a very good point about how it is subjective, because mm. I think when I look into enjoyment, it's it been defined as the state of process of taking pleasure in doing something. But then you really got me thinking, is it always about pleasure? And or what does pleasure really mean? Because if you've subscribed to the um, psychoanalytical school, then it's about eros. Um, it's kind of like the pressure principle, print, oh, sorry, pleasure principle uh, mm -hmm. that describes seeking of pleasure and avoidance of pain. But actually, some people do find pain enjoyable don't they they do enjoy not suffering per se but the painful sensation itself so almost was thinking actually is the opposite of enjoyment boredom is it the lack of stimulation the lack of excitement also almost uh, the lack of something happening is that the opposite of enjoyment Or is it that, because the opposite of enjoy, you know, what, what is it? I mean, because enjoyment is a, a very, is it an emotional level, isn't it? It's a very deep emotional 
thing. There's a almost an expansion and contraction within us with, when there is joy. And so joy is an expansion. There's an expansive space within us. So the opposite of it for me would be a contraction of that space within us. So in one way, the joyful or joyful state is an expansion. And I'd ask a question around this. Is that, is it temporary or is it permanent? You know, is it a temporary state or a permanent state? And so for me, I'd be looking to understand this state, this expansion state and this contraction state that's occurring. Now, the contraction state that's occurring has many different traits to it. The first is that actually it, it's it's a constriction in the center of the chest. It's it's almost an emotional, deep constriction that's there. It's, it's a deep feeling that's there within us. Whether we're aware of it, whether we're not aware of it, is another thing and, and something I think we'll come to look at as we discuss sort of later on today. But there are sort of almost, there are reasons why that constriction is there. And that is the opposite of enjoyment. So there's illness, or this is according to yoga, and there's illness and disease. So it's not according to chat GPT, it's different. Um, so there's there's illness and there's disease. There's um, a mental sort of laziness. We don't sort of put much effort in. They also, in yoga, we classify doubt as a as a constriction. You know, it, it actually stops you enjoying things because you doubt something. And I th- I want to expand much more on these different areas that I'm, I'm discussing. I just wanted to sort of highlight, begin to highlight them because you're asking this question. Um, the next Playing thing is, the foundation as always. Oh, just, to, you know, just slowly, slowly, you know, put the foundation in. Keep going, keep going. Keep going, and then I'll come back to it later. Um, but but then the other thing is that actually sometimes we're just too busy. You know, so it's, you know, it's like when you turn around to someone and say, what have you been doing? And they go, I've just been doing so much, but have you really enjoyed it? And they're like, you know, sometimes we're just, we're just so busy. We're just so busy doing that we actually just don't enjoy. Then you've got... Um, there's a, there's a word that I, I found very interesting. Um, the word apathy, it, it's almost the, the interest that you've taken in something, something that made you joyful, let's say like gardening, suddenly doesn't interest you anymore. You, you, like, you lose your enthusiasm, you lose your, your, kind of your involvement in something. It, you, you know, almost that you become numb to it. And that is also, for me, the, in an opposite situation with regard to joy. Somehow we use a slightly different word in psychiatry. We use anhedonia. Okay. So it's, it's a, a lack bit, of... It's a bit longer, and you'd probably win a yeah. scrabble with that one. Exactly, more points. Why not? Exactly. So can you explain this a bit more? So anhedonia literally means the lack of enjoyment or unable to take enjoyment out of things that you do in life. Mm. And for psychiatry or psychology is actually an important concept because it somehow or a lot of the time actually define as one of the core symptoms of depression right. so usually in, dep- in depression you have the low mood so that actually the sadness that you see um which in turn actually a lot of the time people also have low in energy but also mm. the third ones which is actually very important symptoms is they are unable to take enjoyment out of life maybe activities that they usually do and enjoy or new activities, new experience, they are not able to experience joy um, or enjoy it. Um, So I think it's almost like they're unable to create new happiness or new happy memory per se. Well, if we, if we take this to into the expectation of joy, the past recall of joyful things and also our current experience of joy actually there's no expansion that's occurring for us anymore is that actually we're not looking forward to this is no hope there's no willpower there's no motivation there's no purpose within it so i think that's a kind of an interesting i see very much a similarity between these two things um yeah we also, um, within yoga, we look at excessive sensory indulgence in things. So like you mentioned with regard to pain and pleasure, is that what we've got is that actually 
you get to a stage where actually it becomes an excess. Like pain moves from being pleasurable to being, you've gone too far. It's why you have safe words in, you know, different, you know, painful situations. Yeah, exactly. So, so it becomes a safe word. You know, if I say this, I remember um, talking to someone and they said, you know, you know, I've got to go out to this, this party and I'm really not looking forward to seeing these people and going out to doing these things. And so I suggested that with their partner, they have a safe word. So when it moves from being a joyful situation to being painful, they would have a safe word, like, you know, a code word, like the donkey is leaving at three o'clock, you know, just something that actually, you know, they both understood and they could get themselves out of the situation. Is that a point of turning from joyful to painful or is that marking a level of tolerance? Because almost in my head, there are people who, so the, the situation that you you mentioned, yes, that is, Maybe it's for social interaction, there's a certain level of mm. exposure that isn't required. So the person can endure certain amounts of discomfort in a situation that he doesn't like. But there are actually certain people who enjoy the pain, the painful sensation, almost as if it's a, it's a way of reminding. Sometimes it was explained to me, it's a way of reminding that they're alive. Mm. But almost always understood the concept of pain as as you describe it as a contraction or constriction around the heart area mm. so i just find it very interesting how some people can find that to be enjoyable because enjoy and enjoyment in a lot of ways is much more expansive so it i'm is, wonder is, is it because and that, i'm going to question on that is that actually joy mm. Do you see what I mean? But is it just a chemical receptors kicking in? And is there chain reactions going on within the system that the person perceives this as being joyful? What about drugs? Because actually, since for me, sensory indulgence is also something like drugs or watching television excessively. Like, I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to watch a box set or I'm going to watch a whole series in one go. You know, that's a sensory. Indul- is that joy? It may just be a very well-made TV show. You never know. Um, but but the drug is interesting because I, I was thinking, oh, there's another possibility is because they are in an already much more constricted or contracted situation. So actually having a bit of pain, which in relative term is less contracted, mm-hmm. actually feels better. Because in some way, drug is like that. You know, I've worked in addiction service for a few months mm. and sometimes quite often the the patients that we see or sometimes we call them client the clients that we see they have very rough background they're very rough childhood they have very mm. difficult situations dynamics interactions or even abuse and traumas in the past and the drug although they may not be the most pleasurable thing they realize the damage that it can do they almost use that as an escape and I would very much agree, agree with you Then at that point, it's not really about enjoyment or pleasure anymore. It's about escapism. Mm. And if you think about that with regard to drugs and, you know, the consumption of a, of a, of a chemical to create a connection, because actually what you're getting with something that is expanding which is you perceive as joyful is there's a connection or a link to someone or something and so the use of a drug to indulge in that drug it gives that sort of that expansive quality where you can connect and be at the same level as someone else yeah that's also true they tend to like to do the drugs together mm. Nature-y. Another question, are, are, are you okay if, if I move on to a slightly different topic or you want to keep laying onto this topic for a bit? No, 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 I'm really happy. I was I was just... Well, because the other part of the question is also about living. Mm. It's on, about enjoying, but also about life. Mm. It really got me thinking, do we always stop living when we stop enjoying life? Do we always have to enjoy life if we keep living? Do we die because we don't stop enjoying life? There's a there's an interesting numbers of interesting stories in, in Eastern tradition that I really kind of enjoy. One of them in particular is discusses the fact that actually 
we walk around as if we were dead while we're living. So we actually don't live to our fullest maximum. And there's a reason for this, is that actually we don't know who we are. And that because we don't know who we are, we can't actually enjoy life to its fullest. Also, we have numbers of different ways of dealing with the world and dealing with ourselves that we'll call patterns or coping mechanisms. We put these patterns in, and coping mechanisms in place. And, you know, it, one of my favorite ones is I can't or no. It, 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 we, we put in place these different mechanisms, these different things that actually sometimes we're aware of, sometimes we're not aware of, but they link very much to this expanding and contracting space that we have within ourselves. And from there, we find that we start to defend our identities and identifications and our reference points that we keep safe. And those also stop us from expanding and contracting in the right way. Does that make any sense? I'm just, just again, haven't gone into it too much depth, just a little kind of an area on this. Mm. So it's the rules that we put in place or being placed upon us that's stopping the expansion. Well, because think about it. If, if, if something, why can't we be happy for someone else? If they're happy, why are we jealous? You know, why is it that if something good happens to us, we beat ourselves up and we just turn around and go, oh, my God, I could have done so much better rather than actually, hey, look what you've just done. You know, why can't we take a compliment from someone else? Why can't you know, there, there's there's a whole set of stuff that's going on for people inside themselves. Why they just why? Why can't they actually enjoy life? Why can't they? And life is is, is about an interaction with yourself and interaction with someone else, isn't it? Mm. You know, because it's, is it just that you're breathing and you're alive that is life? But no, I think that life is, is a complicated thing. It's a complicated set of relationships and interactions. Mm. And to enjoy each of those relationships and interactions means that actually you're looking about how to enjoy the relationship with yourself and also the relationship with other people. And so then that poses numbers of other different ideas. Sorry, I'll be quiet. Your turn. Go on. No, 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 no. I was, I was actually going to ask you more questions so you can keep going. Yeah. Do we have to enjoy every interaction that we have outward and inside? Or are we learning towards enjoying more and more of those interactions as we go along in this journey called life? But is it that we're enjoying the interactions or is it that what happens is that we're able to expand and contract with those interactions fluidly? Because not all, I mean, come on, is doing your tax return enjoyable? I'm learning to enjoy it slightly more because of the person I'm doing with. <laughs> I used to hate it. Yeah, ex exactly. But it, 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 dependent on the interaction, the experience is there. Yeah. How... I was going to say, I, I definitely have more than a few interaction recently where I don't enjoy as much. Hmm. I think some a few of them that we have discussed as well, and you were saying afterwards, like you've done really, really well. You navigated through it very well. But it's like, yeah, I, I did my job. I still didn't enjoy that. I'd much rather it didn't happen. But in some way, after I guess I may not have enjoyed the interaction at the time, but maybe show me a contrast of either how to avoid it in the future or how to not how to pacify it earlier in the future if i come up into similar scenarios or how to how to look at it differently because now i have one experience mm. i can actually use that experience to to interact with it or process it slightly differently right so if someone else pisses me off again basically yeah so so what you're saying is that there is a there's an interaction that we're having and we go into that interaction with our memory, our imagination, and we that begins to sort of almost twist the perception of that. We've got this idea of a memory of our 
joy from the past. We've got our expectation of joy from the future. We've also got the experience that we're having right now. We've got our memory and our imagination kicking in as well. And we are playing and going through a whole, you know, like a, like a troublesome situation, a difficult thing. And almost we can feel ourselves constricting more and more, but we can also see ourselves in the pathway that we'd normally take in the situation. Because remember, the thing that causes the issue is that in, in, in yoga, they, they use the very interesting word, it, it, it almost like they use the word like regression. It almost means that you default back to your existing original patterns when you think you've navigated a situation very well. So in that terminology is that what's happened is that you've looked at a situation, you've begun to navigate it well, you've got through it, there's a tightness within you, and you've come out the other side, you've gone, and then you go back to your existing original behavior, having not learned anything. So there should be a learning at the end of it. There has to be a learning. There has to be a learning. The, the learning thing is a very interesting thing because it, it means that you get the chance to be able to look at all of the different feelings that have gone on as part of that process. What I mean by the feelings is that underneath all of this, there is these expansions and contractions that are occurring that actually we're not even aware of. We're actually too busy either trying to hold everything together, you know, trying to do the right thing, like I'm a really good person or I'm, you know, I'm going to do the right thing to get through this and out the other side. Or I'm going to, like we said, you know, like we spoke last time about making people happy, is that actually sometimes we default to a particular way of working because we think we ought to be and do things in that way. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It has some similarity with this theory called will to live mm. as by the german philosopher i think it's called arthur sorry if i'm if i'm going to say this wrong chopin however however anyway Schopenhauer. Schopenhauer. ah there you go you you know how to say it. i don't um so apparently it's mean something related to a irrational blind incessant impulse with knowledge that drive the instinctive behavior causing mm -hmm. endless insatiable striving human existence mm -hmm. so it is essentially just basically what drives us to keep doing everything and thinking about anything and i think that's the, the the link i'm trying to make in between is actually you can't keep coming back to the same place right. i think sometimes we think what we want to do to be able to come back into the same state so that we feel okay but actually mm -hmm there's always a moving forward quality because time always move forward. And, and this is the thing that these ancient texts are talking about. There has to be a movement. There has to be an expansion. We have to move forwards. And we have to break this, this constant doing the same thing again and again and again. But also that the more that we think about it, often the more we reinforce the traps that we create for ourselves. And that's the other very interesting thing about Eastern tradition is that actually your observation of it is one thing, but your reinforcement of the whole thing is something different. Mm. So the more that we ask the question, how, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? The more we're actually becoming more heavily involved in the whole thing rather than the capacity to step back from it. Yeah. Step back. Look at it from a different angle and then navigates through it differently mm. Mm. so you because so you, you, i think your question and the question is is why would we not enjoy life and actually there's a there's a lot of stuff going on for all of us with regard to this because in a way it, it does it poses a lot of questions about our purpose within life and how we're we've got our own idea about you know who we are and what we're doing within our life and we've also got an idea from other people about what makes us successful in life and how we should enjoy life or how life is to be enjoyed or if you get this this is or if you achieve that this is how a joyful life occurs 
So there's mm. a number of different forces in play in the relationship we're having with ourselves and with the relationship with other people and the comparison that we have with regard to what we think joy is. And, you know, I, I think there's a small matrix going on with regard to this. I think it's a different in philosophy almost. Um, as you know, lately I've been looking at the Vedic version of astrology. Okay. Is it... You correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong again. Jyotish? Jyotish? Jyotish, yeah. Jyotish, thank you. So I, I literally only started reading the book, so I'm finding everything fascinating. I read a little bit of Western astrology in the past, but not very well. But as, it, as I've been understanding it so far is from the Western perspective, astrology based everything more from the sun perspective, which is how you interact with the world, how you... Um, what you can achieve in the world, what you can show for almost, because the sun is, you know, the mm. expression into the world. Was again, please correct me if I'm wrong. A joytish looked um, from the perspective of the moon. So it's more about spiritual growth. It's about the person's journey and spiritual growth in life. Mm. So I find it very interesting that even down to the astrology, actually, there's quite a big difference from the philosophy and perspective almost. And that's what I'm seeing, because almost what you're clarifying is that in the West, we have one perspective on what constitutes joy in life. And also how to achieve it and how to measure it. However, in the East, they have a different perspective about what constitutes joy in life. And the measurement system is very different. It's, it's an individual measuring system and it's a feeling based system. Not a system not, based on what you have. Not a metal-based system. Well, I think metal-based is very good. I always like to have a full set of stars. And trophies. Yeah, and exactly. exactly. Hmm. So what is the Eastern perspective of having more enjoyment in life then? How do we get there? It's to do with our relationship with things. It's how we hold on to things, whether we hold on to things in a very tight, grasping way, like this has to be done in this way. I was speaking to someone earlier today, and um, she said she went to visit a relative, and she was told where to put her shoes, when she went into the house, she was told which bed she was going to be sleeping in, how that bed was supposed to be made, what time the meal time was, when they were allowed to go out for a walk. And remember, this lady is in her 60s and visiting a relative. And she really, it triggered her so much because for her, it reminded her of numbers of other people that occurred within her life. So. She lost some joy with this. But the more she looked at the situation, she saw that there was no joy for the other person as well, because the other person was holding on and to the situation and the rules about how things should be and ought to be and must be for there to be joyful order in this life as well. So we have these two people, these two situations. How does one navigate through that kind of situation then? Because it's so hard when the other person is so grasping tightly to the rules mm -hmm. and imposing onto everyone else. And almost there's a rigidity in the one person who is entering the situation as well because they've been so triggered. And you can see how the person that's entering the situation is being so triggered because they're deep down holding on to something that mm -hmm. as, as well. So one of them have to let go first. But who's got the capacity to let go is the question. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? And and also when someone says, I've got to let go, it means that actually, you know, yeah, you're holding on to everything much tighter. It, it, it means that actually there's, there's, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of work to do around that. Mm. How we're holding on to things. You know, how we start to identify. I was talking about this subject matter with someone earlier today. And they said, well, isn't it to do with the ego? Isn't there this idea of ego that is coming in? 
I said, well, in the Eastern side of things, it's to do with egos constructed in the way that we have reference points and we identify things. And we construct these identities and reference points in order to keep us safe. And, you know, that becomes the way that our personality expresses through those things. And in a way, how do we refine this? Because we need a personality to exist in the world. I mean, it's crucial that we have a personality. But also, it's important to understand and ask the question what it is that we're holding on to. And also to ask the question what we're frightened of actually losing. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So for me, these become very important questions when we're looking at joy and we're looking at enjoying our life. Because... you can see how we're subject to other people within those interactions that we're having. And we can also see how other people have, you know, create situations where that creates a constriction within us. But then would we be better isolating ourselves from other people completely and utterly so we wouldn't have any of this at all? And then we could just actually enjoy our lives on our own. Some people like hermiting. Yeah, but isn't that a personality disorder? I'm not sure. I haven't spoken to many to to know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe. There is definitely a personality disorder that is dissocial. Yeah. So by definition, they are more isolating. But I, I have I haven't spoken to many hermits, so I might have to get back to you on that one. No, but there there is a so there you are completely right. There is a personality disorder around that around and it's called the hermit. And um it, it it's it is very interesting because we, you know, we cut ourselves off from other people. Why? For what reason? You know, I'm not going to speak to so-and-so again. You know, it, it, because my life is more enjoyable or this is toxic or that is this. Mm -hmm. And actually in some situations, I think some situations are very toxic. And I agree with this capacity to cut. But in other situations, they're there for us to be able to navigate and overcome something within ourselves so that we can go deeper within ourselves and actually find some aspect of joy thanks to that interaction with that person. I, I think sometimes it's also awareness as well. I think we've spoken to about this mm. before, but I, I was talking to someone recently who, during conversation, the person getting more and more, I, I recognised it as anger and frustration because the, the, the body language is like crossing of the arms, the voice starting to get slightly louder and it's like oh, are you are you angry with me because i feel like you are getting a bit angry I'm like no actually i'm not um but then as the conversation go along the person describe the sensation that they're feeling it's almost like how you explain bhagavad gita chapter one to me is you know the person's describing the experience of anger is like the heart is pumping i can really aware of it i can get a little bit more shaky i'm mm. not really focusing as much My, I, I just don't know what's going on it's like i think you're describing anger i didn't this i didn't say that to the person because i don't think it's going to be helpful but sometimes is it also lack of awareness In one way, I think it is yes, but in another way, it's not. We are, we're aware of certain symptoms, aren't we? So we're aware of our heart pounding. We're aware of our hands becoming sweaty. We're aware of our mouth becoming dry. We're aware that we shake and we can't hold things. We start to be aware of those things, and that's in our awareness. And we can actually label it quite well. We can turn around and say, you know, I, I, I've got this happening to me and we can describe it we can say that i've got health issues or i've got mental health issues or i've got anxiety so we we can describe it quite well but the question is 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 what is underneath it what's going on beneath that what's the expansion and contraction that are is doing that and it means that it's going to be unique for each of us. So there isn't going to be a formula of how we come to deal with these different anxieties, these different stresses, these different emotions that are going on. There isn't a, you know, a, a, a set step of, 
if you take these nine steps or these three steps or these four steps, it will definitely deal with this. I think that actually what will happen is we can pacify a situation temporarily. Like let's say I do a yoga practice if I'm feeling anxious. What will happen is that, yeah, it, it'll take the edge off the yoga practice. It'll take the edge off the anxiety for maybe an hour, but then the anxiety will creep back in again. So there's something more going on, something a little bit more going on beneath the surface. And it, it is unique to each of us. But the manifestation of it, we can label in a particular way. We can call it anxiety. So what, another way of thinking about enjoyment is less about or always trying to find expansion in life, but actually be more synchronized to how life or your individual life is expanding and contracting. Right. How our life is expanding and contracting, because it's a feeling within you. Hmm. Interesting. So is it also true? Because that that is very interesting. Because I the, as I was researching about the will to live, there's also the death instinct, as you probably know. Sabrina, oh god, another name that I may not be able to pronounce properly. Sabrina Spielren and also Sigmund Freud. So they, again, is in psychiatry, psychoanalytical theory. They describe the drive that there's an aim to reduce the physical or psychiatrical tension to the lowest possible point, which is in an extensive ex existential level, is death. And I think um, Freud described it as opposed to Eros. Um, it's named this death instinct to be Thanatos. Fan is that the contraction in life that we have to also ride with? I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, okay. I, I yeah, I don't know how to answer that because it. it I'm wondering if you can explain just a little bit more about this, about um, this, this kind of these these opposites within that Freud is talking about. Well, the the reason why it came up in my research is because when I think about the question, why would we not enjoy life? Mm. Because in the psychiatric brain, mm. it, it it creates an alarm bell where there's mm. almost like a hopelessness. Mm. There's often a helplessness. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the person may even feel worthless as well, which are kind of all very significant signs and risk where uh, ending someone's life, ending oneself's life is possible. Mm -hmm. That's why this came up for me. I was thinking, is there a drive in life to actually end existence as well as to infinitely self-preservate? So the, the, the self-preservation is called fear. So mm. fear is a, a, a is a natural mechanism. According to the Eastern tradition, fear is the natural mechanism for you to actually to to preserve yourself. So it, it helps you not to basically kill yourself. However, their view on life is very different from ours. Their view is that your life has a purpose. You're here for a particular reason. And because you are here for a particular reason, you need to understand why you were born into the body you were born into at the time you were born into, um, and what it is that your body and mind are capable of doing and fulfilling. And their view also is that because you are born, there is something that you need to do. It, it, if you so, that, so they battle this idea of purpose to say that actually the fact that you're alive means that there is a purpose to that you need to fulfill within this life. And the fact that if your life is taken away from you, you have fulfilled this purpose in this life. And they also have a view on incarnation as well, which is slightly different, which says that actually because you haven't fulfilled a purpose and come to a point in life where you have 
reduced and reduced the certain darknesses and that are caught up within you. I'll I'll talk to them about talking about them in that way. Um, that actually you need to then come into another body again and again to continue to work. So the fact that you've been born means that you've made a mistake and that you need to work in this lifetime to rectify that mistake or those mistakes that have happened. So there's an imbalance. That's why you've been born. So it also means that there's a huge problem with you taking your own life as well because it means that you will be born again. So it's almost like Groundhog Day, but you'll just be born to a different time and a different place, according to this theory and this understanding that they're presenting. You may choose to believe it or not believe it. Hmm. Then how in this theory are we going to find out what's the purpose of our life individually? Well, this is the basis of why we come to do lots of different practices and techniques is to understand you know why we're here what you know what traits we have what patterns we have and there are a number of different directions given to understand what holds us in this world and what allows us to help other people in this world and how we come to acquire some wisdom and understanding through awareness about how our life is and how life is in itself. So this is how it's built into a lot of the philosophies. Hmm. Based on this, we then get a more of a mastery of being able to, let's say, detach from things. So things don't affect us as easily. And also through these different practices and techniques given in Eastern tradition, is that you get ability that comes with it. You get a capacity to be able to navigate the world with a bit more of a superpower. Hmm. So basically, for a lot of trial and error. Basically, you're discovering more about who you are through the trial and error of in interacting in the world and interacting with yourself, not beating yourself up, not beating other people up, and just beginning to sort of like interact fully i was hoping you would say that you just find this amazing sage and then they would tell you everything about your life if only it's that easy i i think it's quite you know it, the problem is is that you need to do this for yourself and that's oh, the major the fun of it. that's the major issue often we want to outsource it to the sage you know we want to find that kind of that person that just kind of goes hey you know what? I know that you're really unhappy, but if you do this, this, and this, or pay this over here, you'll get this over here. It doesn't quite work like that. And where will be the fun in that if you constantly just do what other people tell you to? Exactly. Exactly. So I think that what we're really saying here, and and, and, and again, I've just summarized on the surface a few different points with regard to this, is that the approach in the East is very, very different. And the belief system is very different. You know, they, they don't look at um, life and death as opposites. They look at birth and death as opposites. You know, there's a real sort of, there's a real kind of difference within this. You know, the, the Western perspective is, is, is really different. The way that it's put together, the way that it measures things, the way that it, 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 it looks to, you know, have a happiness index for each different country or each different town in, in the UK is a different index to say, you know, this is the happiest town in the UK. And if you live here, you too can be happy. And this is how much each house costs in that area. And you can check the value of the house and you can also buy the house if you do this, this and this. And each you will different be happy. Yeah. And so there becomes this whole set of rules that are put in place that we then go to and we just go, we look at them and we kind of go, oh yeah, if I did that, I'll, I'll be really happy. And guess what? Will mm. you? Mm. So the question of, you know, why would we not enjoy life, I think comes down to navigating all of the different things that create obstacles for us. And whether those obstacles are created by ourselves or whether they're created by other people, or whether they just, whether the situation that we find them ourselves in 
is that's what we're looking to do. We're looking to navigate those things. Yeah. And then from there, you learn a lesson and you came mm. back and do it slightly differently. It depends on your belief. You know, there's, an, there's another belief, which is actually you can do this all in one lifetime. So it's a, it's a different belief because actually some people don't believe in reincarnation, but they actually understand that they're in a point where, you know what, they're in a difficult situation. And some people don't know they're in a difficult situation. Or just different understandings. Mm. Very interesting. I'm, I'm wondering. Does mm. this for me? There's a the biggest thing to navigate this is to begin to work on our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with other people but also our relationship with not knowing not knowing ourselves and not knowing other people so it's almost it's the reverse of what we've been doing mm. because at the end of the day We need to interact with other people. We need to learn from other people. It's the best thing in the world to do is to interact with someone else. Mm -hmm. Plenty of people. But to learn from them and also to learn how we're interacting with them, I think is a beautiful thing. Mm. And I think that's this key in order to start to get some sort of coherence of comfortable relationship forwards and backwards. Mm. So is that what you enjoy in life then? You know what I enjoy in life? I tell you what I did today. I got on my horse. I walked very slowly down to a river mm. early this morning. And all I did, we went into the river and I lay on the horse completely utterly, with the water flowing past and just making sure she got lots and lots and lots of water in her feet because horses who sometimes dry out so you just ah. kind of and we sat there for about 20 minutes hmm. and that pure joy no thinking just beautiful nature just breathing hmm. that's it hmm. so this is that was my enjoyment in life hmm. what about you What's your enjoyment in life today? Today? Hmm. Other than enjoying my dinner. I think I think what you have described, actually, the thinking about enjoying interacting with external world, but also internal world, but at the same time also in interacting with the unknown part of the external world, internal world has always been very enjoyable to me. It's mm -hmm. very scary a lot of the time, or a lot of the time very frustrating, annoying. I feel like if all the interactions always known already, so they're not unknown, mm -hmm. they're known already, it'll be quite boring. Mm. There's not much for me to be curious about because I already know all the results and know all the answer. Mm -hmm. The reason I like to ask you a lot of questions because I don't know. And I'm interested to find out. Find out doesn't mean that I will agree or disagree or sometimes ponder find out it's just to discover a little bit more so that's what i enjoy today i think this is the basis of life as well is to experiment and to be open to discover things mm. because if we can experiment it means that what we do is we remove a rule that says this is right this is wrong this is success and this is failure we open ourselves out to discover things, to discover things that we wouldn't have normally thought we would enjoy in life. Mm. And I think discovery and experimentation are, are the key because they start to dissolve a lot of the internal and external rules that we put in place that govern the interactions that we're having. And those, for me are the things that form the foundation of 
a lot of the ways that we block ourselves from evolving. You know, they create a number of different issues for us in the way that we process emotions, the way that we engage with things. And also they stop us from sustaining the relationships that we can possibly have. Hmm. Agree. Have I told you about my ski holiday from the beginning of the year? No, not at all. So I think, huh? Enjoyable. It was very enjoyable, but also very, very scary because I'm really, I'm deadly fear of height. So mm. my, my, my family led me to, up to this, uh, my in-law family led me up to this mountain, actually mm. not very high, and brought me to one of these easiest slope on the first day after I, I've done these so-called baby slope, which is basically flat. Mm. And I looked down, I was so scared because actually once you're at the top, all you can see is just almost like a cliff because you can't really see past the curve in front of you. It's so, 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 so scary. And because I was so scared of her, I was like, my God, I'm going to I'm gonna roll down the hill. I'm going to die. I'm going to break my leg. I'm going to break my arm. I'm going to break my neck. I'm going to break everything that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, my second day, once i gone past the fear a little bit, actually then got a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. That was actually a lot of enjoyment. And I... If you asked me last year, I wouldn't have said that I would actually enjoy going downhill with two sticks and two very rather narrow piece of plank underneath my feet. But actually, we have already booked our next trip next year. So we're going to go back skiing. It's very, very enjoyable. So you experimented and you discovered. You also hit fear head on. I can't do this. There was a lot of screaming involved. Yeah, but no one needs to know that. And and this is, I think, the interesting thing is that it's how do we do this? How do we discover aspects of ourselves or challenge aspects of ourselves on a regular basis so that actually we can live an enjoyable life? Hmm. Thank you, Stafford. It's so nice to talk to you this evening. Thank you. I've really enjoyed tonight's conversation as always. Thank you. Thank you. I've learned so much. And I think the, the, for me, the relationship with not knowing is something that I reflect on all the time and how that constriction, that constriction really causes a lot of trouble. Hmm. Can't agree more. So hopefully, if you do a search for this on ChatGPT, you will not get the answers from this podcast in that. Let's see. We'll have to report back. It's good to see you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.